0: Our first lesson is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24 following. You cannot serve two masters, God and money, for you will hate one and love the other, or else the other way around. So my counsel is, don't worry about things, food, drink, and clothes. For you already have life and a body, and they are far more important than what to eat and to wear. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Will all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothes? Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all of his glory was not as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he be more surely to care for you, O oh men of little faith? So don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you have need of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Pray. O blessed God, our heavenly Father, we rejoice in the inspiration of what thou hast already given unto us in this period of worship together. We pray that thou wilt teach us that the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign, that he is king and head of the church and that he is present in our midst this day and that the Holy Spirit who inspired the Holy Scriptures is here to teach our minds and hearts and to bring our lives into accord with your will and purpose. Lord God, help us to be willing, to be obedient, and thus be true disciples and thereby bring honor to your holy name. Help us to seek thy will and not our own Help us to be willing to follow in the steps of our Savior, steps of self-denial, steps that lead to a cross, but steps that also lead to a joyous resurrection and glory. Help us, O God, to lose our lives in him, that we may find them again in him. As thou hast taught us from him the things of heaven, so help us to put those things into action here upon earth. Help us to show the love Of which we have heard this day already we do pray father that thou wilt add thy special love to those members of our congregation whose needs are great this day we pray for those who have lately borne sorrow and we seek for the family of dr carl snyder your mercy and your blessing we pray for katie and for eric and emily and carl jr and for all of those who love and have now suffered loss and sadness, your mercy, your benediction, your strength, your comfort and peace and power. We pray, O God our Father, for our friend Dr. Akers that thou wilt recover him from the illness through which he passes. We thank you for Dr. Curry and we pray for his recovery. Thou knowest other members of our flock who have needs, and so we pray for those needs to be met. According to your wisdom and according to your riches in Christ Jesus We pray for our church this day the preaching of your word the congregational meeting to follow the selection by the Holy Spirit Of those who are to guide us. We pray that you will rule and overrule According to your will and your purpose. We submit ourselves to thee for reproof and for correction And for your direction and guidance. We pray for our country in its time of distress We pray for our president and our new vice president in his responsibilities. And we pray above all that thou wilt speed the day when all misunderstandings shall be brushed away and all wars and quarrels shall cease and Jesus shall come again. Help us to be faithful to his coming. In his name we make our prayer. O God, our Father, we dedicate these gifts to thee. Thou art the Lord and giver of life and hast given unto us all things richly to enjoy. We therefore praise thee that we may bring back a portion of that which thou hast entrusted to us and ask that the Holy Spirit superintend its use to the end that it may bring glory to the name of Christ and extend his love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We certainly want to express our appreciation to these young people for their wonderful presentation this morning. Dr. and Mrs. Jim Graham are all the way from Taipei here. Where are you? Will you stand up, please? Dr. and Mrs. Jim Graham, two wonderful missionaries, two great saints of Christ. We're glad to see you here today. Thank you. While the young people are being seated, I am a little bit reluctant to do this, Uh, I'll be like the the British preacher that I heard one time, he said, uh, before I speak I have something that I want to say. Uh, This week I received several telephone calls, uh, three of them from women of the church, uh, all three holding various views uh, concerning the ordination of of women uh, to offices in the church. Uh, You can imagine that I would rather not be here this morning. (laughs) Uh, When when such a subject comes up and uh, yet there is a position which is Minister of God's Word And that is my official title that I need to declare and I was asked by all three of these persons If I would speak this morning uh, And I won't take up uh, time nor will I preach a sermon about this, but I do want to uh, State my views let me state at the very outset that in 1964 the General Assembly of our denomination amended the Book of Church Order to permit the ordination of women elders and deacons and ministers of the Word. Let me further state that in my opinion, this is not a scriptural position, especially as it relates to the office of minister of the Word of God and of ruling elder. I say that because it is a position of authority, and I say it because of the position which Scripture teaches. The word elder, if you will trace it all the way through, originates in the Old Testament when Moses brought the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and found that the burden was so great that he had to appoint 70 to assist him in the administration of the affairs of the people of God. And so elders were created to assist. And this word is traced right on through the Old Testament. And uh, uh, you find it also in other cultures that uh, the word in England used to be alderman the word in uh, the Senators wouldn't like this. The same word for senile means old man, senitas. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, uh, there are others uh, that pertain to it. Anyway, there were elders that were selected to govern the people. Now, when you come to the matter of ordination, and I speak here from a matter of conscience and from what God has revealed to me from his word, I am entrusted not to deliver to you my opinion but to deliver to you what I believe the word of God teaches. You have every right in the world to disagree with me and uh, to go contrary to it, but I must give an account to God for uh, what he has entrusted to me from his word, and I have studied this as prayerfully and as carefully as I know how. When the Lord Jesus inaugurated his ministry, he uh, ordained 12 to be with him. Ordained, set apart 12 to be with him. Those 12, he said, would correspond roughly to the 12 tribes of, uh, not roughly, but correspond to the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the church of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is king and head of the church. When uh, the Lord Jesus walked upon this earth, no one was ever shown such love and kindness as those godly women who assisted him. If you read the 8th chapter of the the, uh, Gospel according to Luke, just before the parable of the sower is given, you will see there how he was assisted by godly women. If you study carefully what happened when the Lord Jesus went to the cross, you will see that when the men were cowards and fled, that it was the women who stayed with him. When you study the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, you will see that it was the women who were there when he rose again from the dead and were apparently the first witness is to his resurrection. That is, uh, uh, I say that to, to counter the argument that there are many more godly women than men. This is what I'm sometimes told. These, uh, these were godly women and Jesus, I'm sure, loved them and uh, expressed uh, his love. Uh, now then, when you come into the Acts of the Apostles and you see a selection made of a successor to Judas who had defected. It is not a woman who is chosen to fill that apostolic office, but it is a man. And the word there when Peter speaks is one of apostolic authority. It is masculine. Look out among you of these men who are witnesses to the life of Jesus, not his resurrection. It seems to me that if you follow on through the book of Acts, the seven that we talked about last Sunday uh, that were chosen, if you follow on through to Acts chapter 20, and read it carefully and see the address to the Ephesian elders, you will see there that the word presbyteros is masculine, that it speaks of those elders in that church. Uh, If you study also the passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you study more particularly the passages uh, that Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1, There are qualifications laid down for the ordination of elders and deacons. These qualifications, Paul tells us that when a man desires the office of an elder, he desires a good work. Now, he didn't mean by that an ambition to be elected, but he meant the stretching of the man to meet the qualification of the office. And he lays down qualifications there. And among those qualifications is that he is to be the husband of one wife. It's not... An easy matter to explain how a woman could be the husband of one wife. And uh, I don't uh, uh, see this from the scripture. As Christ is the head of the church, so the man is the head of the house. This is the plain teaching of scripture. You may say that Paul was an arrogant old bachelor and you disagree with him. Uh, But if you deal with the word of God in that cavalier fashion, you get into great difficulty. Now then, when you come also uh, to the statement made in Galatians, that in Christ Jesus there is neither bond nor slave, Uh, there is neither male nor female. We talk about our standing before Christ Jesus. And in our standing before Christ Jesus, we are all equal. We are all equally sinful, we are all equally redeemed, if we are redeemed, uh, through conversion and yieldedness to Christ equally. In uh, the uh, 16th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 1, there is a reference made to a deaconess who had apparently carried that letter. There seems to be a scriptural warrant uh, there uh, for the office of deaconess. Now, this is my view. This is my understanding of scripture. I wanted to say this only because I have been asked to say that uh, to clarify some misunderstandings that have arisen this week. Uh, Our own church right now, not just this church, But other churches are going through a time of tribulation. Six churches in this Presbyterian pulled out uh, of the Presbyterian Church in the United States, and one of the reasons cited is just exactly uh, what we've been talking about, Uh, the unscripturalness of the ordination of women to offices of authority over men in the church. This does not uh, preclude uh, Sunday school teachers nor an office of deaconess, in my understanding of it. But uh, there it is, and if you want to hang me, you can hang me. Now then, I want to get back to what I came here for. (laughs) Uh, I I want to talk to you this morning about this wonderful passage, which I have called Top Priority. And the top priority is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do we truly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he should truly reign over us in all things? Do we truly? Do we really want to be under the lordship of Christ totally and completely? When I think of the apostle Paul, and I align myself with him because he is inspired of God, I can think of no man so totally yielded to Jesus Christ as that great man in Christ Jesus. When I get to heaven, by the grace of God, the first person I want to see outside of the Lord Jesus is Paul. I want to talk over my troubles with him. (laughs) I see some of his troubles that existed here. But when I see Paul, I see one who has so identified himself with the Lord Jesus and so yielded to him, that he could say, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Could you say that? For me to live is Christ. For me, life is Christ. Take Christ out of my life, and I don't want to live. This is what Paul would say. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When we set our hearts like this upon Jesus Christ, he performs wonderful things in our own lives. He performs wonderful things in our own lives. A couple of weeks ago, I had a blessed experience. I sat down and I talked to an old Russian Jew who is a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. Do you know what his name is? His name is Howard Selznick. Now, that name may not ring a bell with you, but his distinguished brother, David O. Selznick, is the great producer of many motion pictures. Howard Selznick wrote the theme song to Gone with the Wind, that uh, Tara, uh, the theme. And I sat down for a long conversation with this blessed old man, and he asked me to bring to him a copy of the living Bible. He wanted it. He wanted to to read it, and we talked about Jesus as the Messiah. And he talked to me about many things musical, and he told me about musicians he had known. He told me about Paderewski. He told me about Rachmaninoff. He told me uh, about uh, Toscanini. And uh, as we talked about Toscanini, my own mind came back to this, and I want to apply this uh, to your life and to my life this day. He told me how that when General Sarnoff, David Sarnoff, the president of the, MB, chairman of the board of NBC, had started to assemble the NBC Symphony Orchestra, that they had assembled a great orchestra. They had a hundred musicians. They were tremendous in their ability and in their artistic dedication with one exception. They had a first clarinetist who was not as skillful with his instrument as he was required to be. They did not wish to keep on raiding other orchestras to get the musicians that they wanted. And the conductor, and General Sarnoff, the conductor by the way is Rod. Rodinsky was the conductor at that time, they had invited Arturio Toscanini to come all the way from Milan in Italy uh, to conduct this assembled group of musicians. Now, they were afraid to tell him about this clarinetist because he was weak in the instrument that he played. And when the boat docked in New York, A delegation from the NBC Symphony Orchestra headed by David Sarnoff and by Rodinsky went to to the boat to meet Toscanini. They went on board and went into his stateroom and in his stateroom they had a conversation. Toscanini said this is a splendid group of musicians which you have assembled and I want to commend you for it. But, he said, you have a weak person playing first clarinet. Well, General Sarnoff was shaken. He said, how on earth did you know about that? And Toscanini said, I have a shortwave radio, and I have listened in Milan, and I have heard your orchestra. Now think of it, all the way across the ocean, in Milan, Italy, Toscanini could listen to 100 musicians playing their instrument and detect the first clarinet as not uh, being what it should have been in a certain score of music, but that's the way it was. Now, Sarnoff didn't know what to say, Rodinsky didn't know what to say, so they asked him, they said, what shall we do? And he said, take me to the rehearsal, take me to the studio. So they went to the studio where this grand symphony orchestra was already in a rehearsal. And Toscanini sat and listened to the 100 musicians. And when they had finished the rehearsal, Toscanini went into his dressing room, and he sent for the first clarinet man to come to his room. The first clarinetist when he arrived knocked at the door and he was visibly shaken, shaking with fear. Toscanini looked at him and he was known to be a tyrant and yet Toscanini said, you are a very good clarinetist, but you are not good enough at this point for this orchestra but I am going to work with you. And Toscanini set about working with this particular man until this man became one of the best clarinet players in the whole wide world and for 17 full years held the chair of first clarinet with the NBC Symphony Orchestra. Now then, when we think about this, We think about the fact that this clarinet player had heard about Toscanini all his life, but he never dreamed that Toscanini knew about him. When I think about God and think that God knows about me, not just the whole wide world, but that God knows about me and that he can pick me out, He knows what my weaknesses are, and he's heard them. And God has sent for me, not across an ocean, but he has sent for me across the vast chasm of sin, where he has made a bridge by the cross of Jesus Christ. He has beckoned me through the nail-pierced hands of the Savior to come to him. And he has told me to yield my life under his control and that he would make of me what I ought to be. He is working on me all the time. And not only upon me, but he is working upon you as well. That passage of scripture that I read a moment ago, after having heard this beautiful presentation by this wonderful college choir, This touches my heart. Ethel waters that marvelous black lady who sings so beautiful that his eye is on the sparrow and I know he is watching me. When I know that he is watching me. When I know that he is listening to me. When I know that he is concerned about me and i have yielded my life to his control it makes a difference it wants to bring out the very best in me because it wants me to live my life under the knowledge that god is always listening that god is always looking and that god is concerned and cares for me and when i know that he cares for me this makes a difference in in how i live one of the other members of that orchestra that NBC orchestra was a man by the name of Samuel Altruck, who is a very, very famous violinist. And he said these exquisite words about Toscanini and about how he played. He said about how he conducted. He said Toscanini was watching and listening all the time. All the musicians were working hard for his coming. And when he came, he knew all about each one of us. His ears were so sensitive. The leaders were ready to sack that weak clarinetist, but not Toscanini. He made him. He took him and made him what he ought to be. And what Samuel Outrock said was this. He said that when Toscanini, Conducted He caused you to play not so much from your great skill But with all your heart Always when we played with him the sound That emerged was different It was as completely different from what we had formerly played As gold is refined from the ore. That first morning with our hearts pounding each one of us reached our bow to the string of the violin to play Brahms first symphony and that 70 year old man with his baton when he brought the downbeat Brought out of our hearts a music that we never dreamed could be played. With what new fierce joy we played! This is what I see in these earliest Christians. With what new fierce joy their devotion to Jesus Christ really was. All that mattered to them was Jesus Christ. All that mattered to them was being yielded totally to his lordship. If we had this kind of home, those commands that are given that say that the man is the head of the house as Christ is the head of the church, say also that that man is to love as Christ loved. And any man who ever loved that way would surely have the love of the woman to whom he was married any man who ever loved that way would surely have an effect upon his children and no woman i think would object to being loved that way either why we seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness is top priority That puts us in an expendable, vulnerable position. I think about this early church, no printing machines, no radios, no modern means of communication. And yet with their hearts full of that fierce love for Jesus Christ, that marvelous joy for Jesus Christ, that caused them to go singing their way Into the arena to be thrown to the lions or burned at the stake. No matter what Satan flung into their path, those obstacles were overcome because they were yielded to Jesus Christ. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone today who may be listening by the radio. Someone for whom life has become too much. Someone for whom the hill becomes steeper as the days go by. Someone who has been let down by a friend in such a way that they are near collapse. Someone whose heart has been broken because they have been defeated by sins long ago, repented of and yet which is surfaced to haunt them. Let me say to you that a greater than Toscanini Jesus Christ is here, and Jesus Christ can speak to your heart. Jesus Christ can speak to your home. Jesus Christ can bring you hope. The stock market has fallen. There is talk of a recession and even a depression in the country. But the future is just as bright as the promises of God are true. I remember one old country preacher who said this about discipleship. He said, you know, when you really follow Jesus Christ in faithfulness to his word, it has been likened unto entering the promised land that flows with milk and honey. But he said, don't forget that you gotta fight the bees and learn how to milk the cows. (laughs) There was a lot of truth to what he said. Another astute observation was that when Jesus said that he clothed the lilies and he fed the fowls of the air, did you ever stop to think that even Howard Hughes, with all the money that he's got, no millionaire on the face of the earth has enough money to buy bird food for all God's birds for just one day, and yet God feeds them every day and is no poorer that night. Let us stand in prayer. O oh, Father, we pray that thou wilt help us to seek with all our hearts. The kingdom of God and your righteousness above everything else is the very top priority. We ask you to enable us to know and to do your will, not our own. We do pray that you will cause our lives to be brought into that harmony which will bring honor to your Son. We ask this in Jesus' name.